0: And good evening everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 296. We're coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. That's me. And a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. hope everybody is having a great late fall as they get uh, kind of geared up to go into the holiday season here. Uh, Justice League is out. Thor is out. Lots of stuff going on. Star Wars is out in a couple weeks. It's an exciting time in the movie business, but we're not talking about the movie business here. We are actually talking about old Thor comics because that's kind of what we do. Now... Uh, Before I get to talking about the old Thor comics, I just wanted to uh, let you guys know I'm going to be away next week. Uh, There might be a uh, a filler episode, and there might not be. It's just going to depend on what kind of schedule I can get to record over the next few days. Uh, Probably will be a uh, a mythology fill-in show, uh, which means I think that you're going to get two mythology shows in a row. So that'll be interesting Um, because, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's move along with our review. Across the rainbow bridge of Asgard where the booming heavens roar. This week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 201. Cover date is July of 1972. Cover price is 20 cents. Cover art is by Gil Kane and Vinnie Coletta and shows basically the last panel of uh, Thor number 199. Uh, Pluto is holding Thor by the neck and he's kind of pushing him backward. He's got his axe in one hand and he's saying, I am Pluto. I am power. And if Odin's life be not mine for the taking, then I'll have Thor's instead. And in the background, we see the uh, trolls and they're fighting. And you see, it looks like Fandral and and Balder, kind of very sketchily in the background, but basically a lot of fighting going on. Uh, the cover blurb says, "To live again, to die forever." And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Stan Lee is the editor. Uh, Jerry Conway was the writer, John B. Summit was the layouts, Jim Mooney finished the art on this, and Artie Simek did the lettering. So here's here's somebody we haven't seen for a while, Jim Mooney. The title of the story is Resurrection, and we open up with a Viking ship arriving at a dock in New York City. Um, Yeah, and it says here, Morning mist wets the jagged Brooklyn skyline. Lends a light haze, a golden aura, which crests battered tenement roofs. It is cold this morning, one week ago, and to the men working on the creaking Brooklyn docks, perhaps this explains the sight before them. Perhaps it is all an illusion, caused by the bitter March wind, something they don't see, but rather feel in their stiff and frozen bones. And the Viking ship, looks like there's only two people on it, is arriving at the docks. And these three guys are there. One of them has a wheelbarrow with some bags marked XXX. And uh, one guy's wearing a ball cap, and the other guy's like a, like a trilby hat. And um, the guy in the ball cap is saying, Kiroks, what the heck is that? And it turns out to be Heimdall, but uh, they don't uh, recognize him, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's Heimdall in his horned helmet and carrying a sword and a big shield. And the guy is saying, some sort of sport rig, I guess. But wait a second. That guy, he's got to be at least seven feet tall. Hey, hey, look at He's turning his way. And Heimdall says, it doth appear we have created a disturbance, Camor." And such was certainly not Odin's plan when he first bade us to take this quest. The matter must be rectified at once.
1: As thou dost will, Heimdall, Camor the small hath no will but to serve thee.
0: So this uh, Camor guy who's with Heimdall is a little short uh, fella, uh, like a dwarf. I don't know if he's supposed to be a dwarf. I guess he could be a dwarf. And uh, so they do this sort of magic spell and Heimdall waves his sword around and there's kind of a fiery explosion. And we see that uh, Heimdall is now dressed in a uh, like double-breasted suit and a white hat that doesn't really match. And he's carrying a cane rather than a sword and a red cravat and really looks odd. And his uh, little friend Camor, instead of wearing purple and green little jumpsuit is now wearing a like a chauffeur's uniform as uh, is a green uniform with a hat that matches and white gloves and heimdall says and well thou hast these past days little friend even served thee now our journey doth draw to a close and its last lap must be without incident and
1: by the sword Odin did give thee so be it
0: and they come down off of their boat. And their boat has changed as well. So it's no longer a Viking ship. It's actually like a a, a fancy yacht. So the people who are there, they're just kind of like, huh? what? Uh, I don't know. And the two of them go walking by the, the, the dock workers. And the uh, one guy says, you know, Bert, I could have sworn there was something strange about that guy. But now I can't remember what. Forget it, Ernie. Just one of those rich Long Island creeps. So uh, Heimdall and Camor go walking off into the fog because it's all foggy all of a sudden and Heimdall says the illusion seems most masterful Camor. What
1: does be about our lord's business then? Camor follows Heimdall such as he done, such will he ever do. And we
0: shift scenes slightly to the well of uh, the Twilight Well where the Norns are standing around in their watching what's going on we see the three of them remember they're clothos and atropos and i think it's Lycius, something like that uh they're not actually named after the norns which i find very odd but maybe they thought that uh the the norns names wouldn't be as good i don't know. anyway uh (laughs) marvel is weird and yeah so anyway so uh, they're looking into the, uh, the well, a.k.a. Cosmic voyeurscope, and it says, "'Now turn with us to a world countless light-years from the planet called Earth. "'Turn with us to the depths of the mystic twilight well, "'and prithee take heed of the voices you hear, for such are the voices of the fates.'"
1: "'Sister Clothos, why did you summon that man's image? "'Have you forgotten the plight of the god called Thor?' Nay, but this god Heimdall interests me, this quest of his, for what does he search? Enough of this nonsense, let us see Thor. Very well, Atropos, you are forever concerned with the beginning of things and never with their ends. I leave that to you, dear Laceous. Ah, the thunder god appears, and they're looking through their little pool
0: at uh, the thunder god, This is merely moments after the last time we saw him. Uh, They remember they shot out a, a beam that shattered Pluto's axe. Pluto was still standing there like staring at the axe like he can't believe that it got destroyed.
1: Only his image, sister. Look, see how Pluto is enraged. Still his axe smokes from when we destroyed it. Look, sisters, he throws the axe aside. He moves to attack the unconscious, Thor, barehanded. Oh, Thor, awake, you fool.
0: And uh, there are trolls, and they're approaching. One of them has what looks like Hogan's mace. And uh, Pluto is encroaching upon Thor, who's kind of laying there. But Thor seems to be recovering, and and Pluto says, On your feet, Thunder God, I want two standing when the end comes. Yes, yes, that is how it must be. Thou dost speak bravely, Death God. Uh, methinks thy bravery be a lie, and uh, Pluto reaches out and he grabs Thor's face, and there's some sort of purple, purple and red. It's, it looks, it's not quite Kirby Crackle, but it's it's like Jim Mooney's version of Kirby Crackle, uh, coming up, and Pluto's like, "I'll hear no more, Thor. So you have kept me from my destiny long enough. Thy father's soul will be mine, not you, not the Night Queen, hella. Not all the legions of Asgard can stop me. Ha! where are your bold words now, Thundergod? Can it be that the mighty son of Odin has lost his tongue, his voice choked by fear? And uh, he's basically burning Thor's face with his hand, and so Thor can't really say anything, but he's reaching out his hand, stretching his hand out towards his hammer, which is lying nearby, and he is using uh, his ability to summon his hammer. Or actually, it looks like he's using the Force. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of, uh, of the scene at the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back where Luke is in the ice cave, and he has to, to summon his lightsaber using uh, you know, Force telekinesis for the first time. Anyway, so that's kind of what happens, and the hammer comes back to Thor's hand. Thor then takes the hammer, and he wallops Pluto across the face with it with a huatom. And uh, Thor is looking down. You can't see his face, so I guess we're supposed to believe that he has been badly injured or whatever. And uh, Thor is thinking to himself, I have gained but a moment's respite, yet it must be enough. There be so little time. Each instant must be made to count. And he says, Father, wherever thou art, help me, strengthen thy only son. And he's trying to get himself together but uh, Pluto is not waiting, he's still fighting, he's, his hand is, is hissing uh, with a hiss, and um, it says, The lord and cruel master of Hades casts his eyes about the seaside battlefield, and everywhere his glance at random falls, he sees his trolls routed, some by the dashing Fandral, others by the Evergrim Hogan, and still even more by the noble girth of the voluminous Volstag. Volstag is saying, be there never an end to thee, vermin. He's, he's whomping the uh, the trolls by, by butting them with his ass. <laughs> um, so, okay. And they're going whomp, and they're all knocking down. And Pluto is really not happy about this. And uh, he goes, ah, I see the means to my glorious end. These men who call you friend, Thunder God, they battle most boldly. But I think they'll battle no more. And he casts a purple spell on them. And we see that uh, uh, Hogan has lost his helmet. And Fandral looks scared. And Volstag is there. looks like he's shouting. But they're encased in the sort of uh, purple glow, Kirby crackle. And uh, Fandral's like, by Odin's beard, what sorcery is this? The world grows dark and distant. I don't. You three are but victims of my power, caught in a timeless bubble of limitless energy, and there you shall stay, helpless to free yourselves till the mighty Thor doth surrender. What say you, fair hair? And uh, Thor is standing there recovering, and um, it says, uh, like, it looks like he's getting ready to surrender or whatever, and then we sh- very suddenly shift scenes. Uh, and we are on a nearby precipice uh, where Odin's tomb is, and the vizier is there, and I guess he's the guard, which is <laughs> <it's> like okay, <laughs> the vizier's not a very good anything, much less a guard, but um Carnilla the Norn Queen comes running up and
1: he says she's saying um, Vizier, thou must help them. If Pluto doth steal Odin's sacred soul, then all who live will die. So doth it seem, Norn Queen. And yet, what concern be this of yours, Carnilla? Will not thy vile magic save thee? Yea, but what of the brave Baldr? Tis he I love, and he will surely follow Thor. I see. Come inside, child.
0: And they go inside the tomb, and we get a full page spread here. And it is uh, Odin, and he is all spread out, uh, looking not really dead, but at least he's asleep on his uh, racing car bed, and he dressed in this really fancy ornate armor, which is so ornate that he probably only wanted to draw this stone once.
1: <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, the vizier points at him and he says, Come and shine and look thee upon the old father himself, upon whom mortals dare call Odin. In truth he seemed so still, so lifeless. Do men fight and die to save the soulless corpse? Nay, woman, thy faithlessness betrays thee. Dost thou forget so soon? Asgard still doth travel through the voids of space and time. Only when it reaches its home dimension will our land be ruled once more by the laws of natural things. And until that time, Odin's body rests within a mighty shield, one formed by Thor that hour one short day ago. And There's a reference here to issue number 198. And we get
0: a a voice coming from off-panel, and uh, it's saying,
1: "'Thou makest the most mystic thing, mundane, old man. "'Verily, thou doth bore the child with thy weighty words. "'Suffice to say, somewhere Odin lives.'" And who is it? Of course, it's
0: Hella. We know her voice by now. And the vizier's like, "'By the black galaxy,
1: tis dark Hela, goddess of death.'" Thou dost make it seem as though I have come for thee, old man. Calm thyself, thy time is not yet near, and neither it appears is mighty Odin's. Of what dost thou speak, Night Queen? Thou knowest full well, Vizier. Wouldst thou have me give it words? Aye, I see it in thine eyes. Thou cannot believe the suggested meaning of what I say. Watch then, old man, and listen, for this day by my word... Odin
0: must not die! And she shoots some sort of a magical beam at Odin's racing car bed, and there's a giant
1: crack.
0: I don't know what she's doing here, but it's a big crackle. She... Hella falls back as though she's tired, so something's going on here. So
1: thou dost say. But why, milady? lady? I seek not to curse the boon. But thou dost wonder. "'No, then, neither Pluto nor I can win our futile battle, "'and rather than let his foul land claim Odin's noble worth, "'I have returned to my lord what was taken from him, "'and now in my weariness
0: must depart.'" And she glows in sort of orange and yellow, kirby crackle, and Hela apparently is gone.
1: And uh, the vizier says, "'Tis done. Methinks we have witnessed a dream, Carnilla, Nought else can explain what we have seen. Nay, old one, tis not so. Look, and prithee, vizier, tell me, do my tired senses lie? Have the fears overcome me and stolen the strength of my mind? My lady, I see it too.
0: And we shift back to uh, Thor and Pluto, where the fighting is going on. uh, He says he's facing the Grecian god of death. And he speaks once again, Thou dost seek to weaken my resolve, Pluto, but know thee, God most vile, thou hast only strengthened it. And he's whipping his hammer around, and he just slams Pluto right in the face with his hammer with a patah. And uh, Thor says, Though truly they are my friends, I'd not have them live in a world dominated by thee. And Pluto says, Then tis on your head, Asgardian, You have cast them free. And uh, we see them um, floating around in this purple cloud. And and they're they're all talking. Fandral's like, we cannot see. Lord Thor, all is black. But Thunder God, give us no grief. Instead, pray that we end in Valhalla. And Thor's like, Hogan, they do vanish. And the air once so clean stinks now of burning sulfur. Thou shalt regret this deed, madman. Not I, boy. Nay, you will bear the sorrow. Your blind loyalty cost them their lives, and you know this, Thor. For the rest of your life, you'll know this. And Thor doesn't like this very much, and he just punches Pluto right in the stomach with a batum, knocking him back, destroying uh, looks like uh, rocks that are behind him. And we have... Um, yeah, I guess he flew through these rocks, and he's landed in this gnarled, uh, old, dead-looking tree. And there's a, um, a, not really a troll, but I guess one of Pluto's soldiers. It doesn't really look like a troll, but a human. But anyway, he's saying, Brothers, the master needs our aid. That tree, we must. And Pluto's like, Keep your filthy claws off me, you mindless miscreant. I'll beg no help from the likes of you. "'Nay, Pluto, too, knows that course of honour, "'and in his hands rests might unequaled. "'And he just kind of stretches and he destroys the tree, "'because Pluto, of course, is a tree murderer. "'And he says, uh, "'Have done with words, Thunder God. "'Have done with talk of loyalty and love. "'You speak as though honour lives in your heart only. "'Yet what do you know of honour as guardian?' Have you slaved beneath the earth's dark surface? Have you ruled the kingdom no other god would touch? Speak not to me of honor, noble son of Odin. I know its lies, and upon aeon upon aeon of its black betrayal I have had a no. Villain, do thy worst, says Thor. Thy actions do give proof to thy wickedness. The two of them are exchanging blows here and there, and uh, he's, he's making Pluto really mad. But just as uh, they're uh, getting back to the fighting, there's, there's a bunch of noise and light coming from uh, beyond, and somebody's shouting, There comes sound! There comes fury! I say they hold! And everybody turns around, and it says that uh, silence falls, a grim weight over the shadowed visages of those who war, and as though frightened of what they may see, they turn, but slowly... And Regal Odin do behold. And yes, it is Odin standing there. And he's, he's got his hands out, and he's got kind of cascading energy out of his hands. And he says, My son, let there be an end to useless battle. The purpose hath passed. Thy father doth live. And we see the Asgardian army, and they're holding up their swords, and they're shouting, All hail Odin, Odin! And everybody is really happy, except for Pluto, Mr. Vampire Fangy Face himself, and he is kind of uh, looking really angry here, and he's saying, "No, it cannot be! What insane destiny hath thwarted mine own? I sense Dark Haller's hand in this. Question not the cause, Pluto. Instead, grant the effect, and get thee gone from Asgard's shore," says Odin. And so uh, Pluto and all of his trolls are heading back to their boat, and uh, Pluto says I'll leave Good King for now, but methinks there'll be another day for us, my lord. And I think that day will be Pluto's and he gets on his ship with the like the, the Viking ship with the big bat on the front, and they go sailing away, and they're sailing away through a bunch of dark Mist and like giant icebergs, and we have a caption. We shift scenes. Uh, we have Odin, and he has changed clothes. So take a drink, and he is sitting on his throne, and, and there's a bunch of people around. you soldiers, and we see a Balder there, and Carnilla, but we don't see the warriors three, and we're gonna find out in a second. Noble Thor, thou dost appear grim. Is not all well with the world once more, or doth thy mind yet leap to other concerns? "'Concerns of the heart, mayhap. "'Yea, I see tis so. "'Thinkst thou of Sif, and wonder whence I've sent her? "'Name Lord,' says Thor, "'I know thou wouldst never allow her to come to harm. "'But there are those whose lives thy hand did not touch. "'Friends Fandral, Hogan, and noble Volstog, 'twere twere they whom Pluto destroyed. "'So little faith from a son. "'Thinkest thou I would have them die?' They who so nobly defended their silent leash, look thee to earth, Thor. And uh, he waves his hand and it opens up the sort of portal, sort of voyeuroscope sort of thing. And we see the warriors three are on earth. And they look very confused <laughs> about being on earth. But um, uh, Odin continues, I Know thee, son, that when I did awake from my death-like trance, I instantly sensed thy comrade's plight, and by my power did deflect Pluto's intent, and sent them instead to the middle land. Middle guard, obviously. By this, too, is my debt to thee increased, my lord. I pray thy leave. Let me join them, father. Methinks thou need a friend on that mad world. As thou dost will, Thor, thou hast my leave. May thy journey go well, my son. And it uh, looks like Thor is getting ready to take off. And Baldur comes up to him as he's starting to whip his hammer around. And, uh, and Baldur comes he says, Wait, Thunder God, let Baldur speak. As always, friend, says Thor, what sayest thou? My heart doth long for Earth's green hills. And if Milady Carnilla would release me from my pledge to her, I would accompany thee. Well, Milady, and uh, Carnilla's there and she's kind of... She looks disappointed and she's like, um,
1: Have it thy way, Baldur. It appears I've no hold on thee, if I ever had.
0: And uh, so the two, uh, Thor and A. Baldur, are heading back to Earth. And Thor says, Then let us be gone, brave Baldur. But mystic Mjolnir steal us elsewhere, and yea, elsewhere as well. Oh, well, that's interesting. To Earth, my lord, to Earth, says Balder. And uh, they vanish. And Carnella's standing there with, with Odin. And I guess the vizier's there too.
1: Lord Odin, is Balder truly blind?
0: Says Carnilla. Can he not see my undying love? And Carnella's crying. And um, Odin says, 'Tis not for thee to know, Norn Queen, yet. For now all is calm in Asgard once more. My plan doth proceed on earth.' And uh, the vizier is like, plan, my lord? Oy, vizier, a plan of such scope thy mind could scarce conceive its limits. But I say no more, friend. It is all in Heimdall's hands now. And in the hands of those I've sent to Blackworld. And we ship scenes, and we're on Blackworld, where we have uh, Hildegard, and Lady Sif, and Tan and and K- Captain Birdseye, And they are running away from the giant crystalline uh, creature called Ego Prime. And uh, the uh, captain is like, Run, lassies, run, lest the monstrous thing catch us all. And the the giant is still pursuing them. And um, (laughs) apparently the the giant is shouting out, Ego Prime! And um, Tan and I I like,
1: Our flight is futile, Asgardians. Perhaps not, Tannenile. Look, its attention seems caught by that approaching train. Then there still may be a chance. Hurry, old man, to the back of this darkened tunnel.
0: I hear thee, lass, I hear thee. And they go into uh, the subway tunnel, and Ego is kind of playing with the train like like it's a, a toy, and he lifts the subway car up, and I guess he um, he wrecks it, and they hear screaming and crashing. We don't actually see them get crushed, but apparently they get crushed. And Silas is like, "'Those people, there's not we can do for them now, Silas Grant,' says Hildegard. "'But perhaps there be that which you can do for ourselves. "'Dost thou catch my meaning, my lady?' "'Yay, Hildegard,' says
1: Sif. "'It's time thou did explain, Regellian." And explain fully what be this thing thou dost claim to have created. "'Thou dost call it ego prime?' "'Yes, if give me pause to think and I'll explain it all. "'It began but a few weeks ago "'when I was called to the quarters of the Grand Commission "'of the Rogellian colonizers.'
0: "'And we see her approaching the Grand Commissioner.
1: "'You sent for me, Your Excellency?' I, colonizer now. I have been reviewing your unhappy settling attempt on the planet Earth. i
0: have got a reference here to uh, Thor number 131 through Thor 133. And we see on the screen there's a, a picture of Thor and the recorder.
1: If I may, Excellency, the fault was not mine. Earth was under the protection of the god called Thor. I am well aware of that, colonizer Nile. We utilized his aid, if you recall, in combating the living planet Ego and in re- return for that aid, he extracted a certain promise. We must never attempt the colonization of Earth again. And, Tananiel, this promise is most bitter. We need a world of the Earth type. Are there none available, Excellency? Only primitive planets, colonizer. Yet there is a way. Come, I'll explain.
0: Um. Uh, she next we see Tana flying through space, through like Kirby space, in a uh, very Jetsons-looking sort of spaceship. And it says, uh,
1: Within the hour I was on my way, a journey from which I might not have returned, a voyage to the Black Galaxy. Yes, I see the stunned amazement on your faces, the Black Galaxy.
0: I wonder if that's any relation to the Black Planet.
1: "'Where your Thor encountered the uncanny Bioverse, "'and more, the dreaded living planet Ego. "'Friends, my task was simple, or so it seemed. "'It was to blast a section of the planet free, "'a living slab of stone and earth.'"
0: And it shows her doing so, and uh, bringing that piece of, um, of the planet back onto her
1: ship. "'This I did. "'I brought it into my ship "'and placed it within a special isotope container.' And with that stone intact, I spent to the galaxy's eastern rim, and landed on a planet called Black World by your people—a world nameless to mine.
0: And she lands there, and you see the sort of uh, caveman troglodyte sort of creatures. And uh, she takes the rock and puts it on the ground, and it looks like she's shooting it with a, some sort of a some kind of a beam.
1: And there, I release the thing we now call Ego Prime. Its shape had changed. I thought nothing of it then. Instead, I continued to focus energy through its growing, almost cancerous form. A golden ray arched from its shoulders, and when it burst upon the twisted foliage hundreds of yards away, lightning amidst the stinking tropical mists, the man-apes who populated the planet evolved. The world itself changed, the jungle growth decaying, falling away. My friends, I was ecstatic. It seemed as though our difficulties were ended.
0: And she sang out loud uh, to nobody in particular here.
1: If this process can be repeated, stars, worlds too hot, worlds too cold, all ours for the taking. And then it happened I had no intention of creating more than a habitable world, you must believe that. But Ego Prime, it seems, had other plans. And we see
0: uh, the the beam kind of launching from Ego again, and it's creating uh, a castle where, where it lands. And she's saying,
1: That ray, no, no, no. Already the evolutionary rays radiating from the stone body were out of control. I turned to stop it, but it too had evolved, had become almost what you see now. A monster, a hideous mockery of humanoid life. I was trying to regain my control when you found me, but it's useless. Ego Prime has a mind of its own, and only the Prime Director knows what it plans. These uh,
0: people are, you know, they're, they're all on, still on the subway car. And anyway, there's uh, newspapers blowing around, and Hildegard uh, grabs one. And uh, she's saying, Perhaps it's read thy mind, Rogelian. Without doubt, thou wouldst have made this earth
1: and saved thy honor if thou could, nay. Perhaps that's so, Hildegard. But wait, that paper. Milady, what means this,
0: these words? And uh, Hildegard is holding up a newspaper and it says the headline in the newspaper is Nuclear War Imminent.
1: And Siva's like, Nay, nay, it cannot be. Black world parallels Earth too closely. Its people are unprepared for these mad weapons of war. And if the speed be too great... Then and, uh,
0: we have a burst of explosion uh, and uh, we're led to believe that this is a nuclear explosion and it looks like they all get dissolved and so we're never going to see Sif or Tana or Hildegard again. Uh, we shift scenes and we are back on Earth and Baldur and Thor have arrived on Earth and Thor is flying uh, both of them down to the surface. And there's a very crowded street here. And, of course, they land in the middle of the street because that's what gods do. They land in the middle of the street. And uh, Thor is saying, Strange, I thought it would be good to breathe Earth there Sarah, again. Yet is all I can do to take a breath. Lord, look thee below, says Balder. And we see the warriors three, and they're in the middle of the road because that's what they do. And there's cars uh, surrounding them. And uh, um, <laughs> Hogan is fighting of the cars. Get thee back, monster. If this be Hades, I'll fight here as I fought above. Hold thy hand, Hogan, says Fandral. Does not that land me things? So this is weird, because I'm pretty sure that the three of them have been to Earth before, and have seen things like cars, so this is seeming very strange. Fandral, Hogan, even loud Volstog, fear not, friends, thy lives be not at an end. Thou dost stand on Earth... And one of the uh, the people gets out of this car. And is like, "And I dust stand still, buddy. Get those creeps out of the street, will you, pal? Keep thy peace, mortal," says Thor. We'll soon enough be on our way. Now let us. And there's a interruption. A big, big white flash. And um, Thor says, "By Odin's beard, what?" And there's a big golden and flash. And it turns out to be some sort of a teleport, uh, ray, beam, whatever. And five creatures appear out of that uh, that kind of explosion. And those five people are Tan and Hildegard, stiff Captain Birdseye. And they are being pursued by Ego Prime. And uh, Sif runs uh, forward and I guess she sees Thor and she's like,
1: Flee, Thor, flee! none may stand against Ego Prime
0: next issue Chaos and that is Thor number 201 we'll be talking about what we think of this issue right after this Star Trek comic books mythology video games toys Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on The Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. It really is weird how the change of an artist can really alter your perception of a story. And, you know, we've had John Buscema art for the last few issues inked by Vinnie Coletta. And I've been complaining a little bit about how rough it is and how it's a little bit sketchy and rushed. And, you know, the Coletta's inks are not a good combination for uh, for Buscema. And yet this issue now, uh, which is drawn by Jim Mooney, Buscema layouts. And you can't really tell that too much because I, I, I think definitely uh, Mooney has put his own unique stamp on this. I'm liking the art in this a whole lot better than what we've seen in the last few issues. I would say that the art in this issue is superior to probably the last four or five issues. And uh, you, you, we do get a few shots that are very obviously Busema layouts, anything involving Hela. I, I think that uh, really Busema's take on hella is kind of unique in its own right. It'd be kind of hard to fake. It looks like we may actually have some Sal Buscema in here, because I'm seeing some layouts here that are very Sal Buscema-ish. So maybe even Sal was helping out with this. But uh, but Jim Mooney's embellishing is quite good. And, you know, Jim Mooney, I think, is one of those underrated artists. He it was always kind of a B-list artist. But you know he's done a lot of great stuff, and you know, I'm thinking back to like Omega the Unknown and things like that back from the, the same a little bit later era, you know, a few years hence. But uh, but yeah, really he makes the art look good. It's funny to see uh, Hogan without his helmet over here on uh, it looks like page page six, but we get this it, this great uh, you know full page thing here of uh, of Odin in his racing car bed. Looks almost like it was inked by Sinnott. Uh, so it's but it, but it really was a, a nice job. Um, and it doesn't look too Buscemi-y, uh So th- it's interesting. Uh, but, but I do like uh, the art in general in this issue. They do kind of story wise. Th- there's some things going on here that don't really make a lot of sense yet. Uh, we're going to be seeing a little bit more of this later. Now, we only have a couple more issues of this in the story arc before we move on to something else. So I think that the the Odin's Grand Plan storyline that we have going on here with uh, um, Heimdall and, and his dwarf, um, we're not going to be seeing the end of that anytime soon. But we do have uh, some other things going on. It does flow pretty well from the prior issue. Um, and you know, there's a lot of good things about it, um, but it's still kind of confused. It, it is kind of there's several disparate things going on at the same time, and they they get rid of Pluto maybe a little bit too easily. Now I understand that uh, you know that was made possible by interference from the Norns destroying the axe, etc., etc., but then. You know, Pluto runs away within five pages. And we move on to this resurrection of Odin, which I, I think was, I guess, reasonably well handled. I don't know if the original intention was for, you know, Hela had taken Odin's soul and wanted to, uh, you know, to, to take him down to hell or whatever, but and then she gives it back. I didn't think that that was the case before. I didn't get the sense that, that she had taken his soul because I didn't think that she was able to in this weird other dimension but now all of a sudden she's able to revive him so that didn't really make a lot of sense to me but you know anyway that's it's kind of you know mid-70s marvel for you i guess uh the coloring is actually really good in this issue they uh, don't really give a coloring credit Uh, I'm going to assume that it's somebody in production, you know, probably somebody like, uh, you know, George Russo's or or somebody like that. They they don't give a a credit. I mean, Jim Mooney might've done it for all I know, he's actually credited with finished art. So that maybe he did the color separations as well, but the coloring is good. It's actually better than anything we've seen recently. There's a lot of nuance to the color. Uh, they're using a lot of color gradients in this. And if they'd been doing that in the last few issues, they might not have, uh, been so weak art wise so i'm kind of glad to see it all right so with that is time to wrap up the show once again folks thanks very much for listening we really do appreciate it if you want to join in the discussion of thor ragnarok that we're going to be having in a few weeks let us know uh, send us a email to radiofreeasgard at gmail.com now one of our friends of the show uh, gene hendricks uh, he has posted an article on his blog, the Hammer Strikes blog, and you can go read that, find out what Gene thinks of uh, Thor Ragnarok, and I will tell you right now that he and I are definitely on the same wavelength. Uh, we, we both like the movie, but we both have some issues with it as well, and uh, we're going to be talking all about that when I get back from Florida, and you can join in if you want. So, uh, so you know, let, let us know what you think. All right, and with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.